guys. So this podcast, we had Adam Levitan, the co-founder of Establish the Run, a very well-known DFS sports better and article writer who's got a podcast with over 5 million downloads. In the podcast, we talk about how without poker, Adam would never be in fantasy sports. And we talk a bit about the technology between poker and sports and how winning at both is related. We talked about many uh, important topics such as how tough it is to beat DFS sports, modern technology in DFS sports. Uh, we also talked about prop bets, uh, fitness prop bets of sorts, and maybe some action in the future. We also talked about a, a crazy mistake that I've made in poker that cost me over $50,000. Hashtag Team Sex got in as well. Even a couple predictions are in at the end. Would you say you're one of the best uh, um, uh, fantasy football uh, league specialists? Or, I mean, how would you, yeah, how would you describe, is that like a fair assessment to make? You know, um, I was early, that's for sure, you know, and and that that goes a long way, I think. I've been playing fantasy since 1996 or so, and and uh, I won this ESPN thing in the year 2000. I was only uh, 18 years old then, and then I got into DFS really early, like kind of transitioned from poker to to DFS, and so I was certainly early, and and I think that makes uh, a really big difference. So, so yeah, I think if I if I started now, no one would probably know who I was, but since I started doing this in 2014 2015 or so that uh that yeah a lot of people know me well yeah i mean you also have like what like uh eight years i mean that's that that i mean that gives you time to be one of the best at uh or one of the most well-known yes. at the very least um so uh how did uh how did you get into uh fantasy sports yeah, I think probably like a lot of people, I just, uh, I played with my friends um, in high school and I always took it more seriously than everybody else. I was always the commissioner. Um, I tried to play for more money than other people wanted to play for. And then eventually, you know, just kind of got into a spot um, where I was playing so much and um, also writing a little bit. You know, I had a journalism background from college found my way to a site called Roto World, which was at the time one of the biggest fantasy um, analysis sites. And so found my way to Roto World and, and got a job there and then um, just kind of left all that behind for DFS in, in 2014, 2015 uh, or so. So yeah, that's kind of the, the short story of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it's worth noting that uh, your articles have gotten multiple awards. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it sounds like quite yeah. an accomplishment. I mean, like, you don't... can you can you believe they give out awards for fantasy sports writing? I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous. But yes, they give out awards. I I can believe a lot of things, man. I've seen some crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't know. Like, I don't know if they do the same thing for poker. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, just, writing just doesn't seem like the kind of. I mean, it, I could see how like. I'm just thinking writing and poker don't necessarily get along. That's all. Yeah. Well, I mean, like for playing at a high level DFS or high level poker, right? There's not like a lot of writing that goes into it. The the writing is more with the season long stuff, which is much more casual. And people are playing with, you know, Tom from accounting and and they just want to know how to win their league with their, with their friends. I think that's more where writing comes in. Obviously, if you're playing online poker, if you're playing, DFS, there's a lot more software and, and data and stuff like that that I think um, is part of it that wouldn't be wouldn't be writing. Oh, okay. So the writing's actually not really all the analytics and all that stuff. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's we basically use a model to help us project how players are going to perform, and there's not much to write about beyond that we certainly write about context which i think is important around all that stuff i think with anything like you can't just look at data and i know all the poker guys you know i haven't really been involved in the solver stuff that was kind of after my time with poker but i'm sure there's a lot of like context or something you could put around 
solver materials that might be interesting, but the real answer is like the solver has the answer. It doesn't know why, and that's it. And, and hopefully, you know, like in DFS, the model has the answer. And I think there's maybe a little bit more context around the, the fantasy sports models to be put around. In other words, if you think that AJ Dillon's going to play more this week than uh, the rest of the world does, then that's not going to be in the model, you know? And so you can put context around that. Hey, we're only assuming AJ Dillon, 20% of the Packers running back touches this week. If you think he gets 40%, um, then you need to change the assumptions in the model and stuff like that. But, but yeah, for writing, I, I think that would be kind of boring. Okay. Okay. Actually, one of my questions at some point, um, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I am a, a big, I feel like almost the elephant in the room is how do you like talk about like models, uh, you know, analytical models in a way that's entertaining. I mean, my first thought is basically kind of, kind of, as you suggested, you put some context behind it. Like you, uh, I, I don't know one thing about sports, honestly, in the sense of like who the top stars are. I know like Michael Jordan, LeBron James are good at basketball. That's about it. I like, I swear, I like we could have to focus to think of the rules of uh, football. But uh, I mean, my my personal guess of the equivalent would be um, something like just uh, you know forget the. The, the, the sims against the, the the regulars and then if you're against like phil ivy or whoever someone who's really good at poker you get it uh remember them or put some like context in the sense of like these are the uh times where your range just smashes theirs and you've got a uh you know under the gun against the big blind you can just do you can kind of have your way with your opponents and make it that kind of context uh where like you put some kind of emotion behind it you put like a almost like a story behind it, if that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. But I would also say that football is like fun and more entertaining. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of people more interesting than hardcore poker, you know, like under the gun versus big blind ranges is way different than talking about like, how's Aaron Rodgers going to do against the Jaguars this week? Like, I think a lot more people find that much more interesting. And so you can take data, you know, maybe our model shows that Aaron Rodgers is only going to throw, you know, 1.1 touchdowns in this game. And people are like, what are you talking about? How can Aaron Rodgers only throw 1.1 touchdowns in this game? He's going to smash. And it's like, well, you know, we're assuming this and this, and he's missing this receiver and there's injuries and he doesn't match up well with this slot corner, et cetera, et cetera. And so you can start to build kind of stories off of that, which I actually think are, are pretty interesting. And, and I always think with everything in life, like some um, uh, melding, some you know, conglomeration of the data and the models with like actual context and real life experience is like the best way to do anything. And I think football and like fantasy football definitely like lends itself really well to that kind of thing. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. I, I don't like, as I said, I don't know the stars, but I could, uh, I could see like people who have their, their picks, uh, be really upset if you say, Oh, um, I can't even give a name besides like LeBron James. <laughs> uh, LeBron James is only going to shoot. Uh, is gonna miss like a third of his free free throws and uh, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's my pretty. I, uh, what's that? I, well, I would say I, I would say yeah. Of course, we're gonna be wrong all the time, right? Like, what percent of your poker sessions do you think are winning sessions? Like maybe fifty five or sixty percent, or I don't know. Maybe maybe yours is more, but like you're gonna lose all the time, right? And like the idea is just to be right more often than wrong and try to be right in like the highest leverage spots. So I think people who play or anybody who's gambled understand that like losing and being wrong is like a huge part of it. It happens all the time. And, and I think people get that, you know, for the most part. Well, yeah. Yeah. Just thinking like how to make, how do you get people's uh, wheels? Uh, get people to actually care. Let's put it that way. Uh, you can throw a bunch of numbers on the screen and no one gives a shit. Um, exactly. Yeah. And honestly, like some people like that, but vast majority of people, we try to be entertaining and, and funny and try to present the information in a way that that is entertaining also you know that's definitely like a huge part of it and like i think that's actually a, a huge reason why a lot of people follow me or or listen or or come to our site is just because like you know even if you're breaking even or you're only winning a little or you're losing a little like we try to have fun and be entertaining and and people just like to hang out and talk about football so yeah i definitely think that's part of it uh, okay i mean it's who's who's gonna hate on fun uh well, um, let's talk a bit more about uh, your career. And um, so, uh, did were, did you bother much with poker? It feels like um, I don't know a whole lot about your poker career. 
was that like a major, um, was that an important stepping stone in your career? Or would you say it helped you prepare for DFS sports? I mean, w without poker, I probably wouldn't be doing this because my, my first job out of college, uh, I got a job at some like small, very small sports website writing about like soccer. And after four months, they fired me. And I had, I mean, literally no money. Um, and so they fired me, but I wanted to stay in, in sports writing and, and keep doing it. And I took some part-time jobs and some uh, not-for-pay-at-all jobs in sports. And I was just supporting myself by playing poker. Um, started playing 2003 at Borgata. Started off playing uh, 612 Limit Hold'em. Uh, played a lot of Limit Hold'em before. I mean, when I first started playing poker at Borgata, there was no such thing as a, a no-limit cash game. Uh, played 612 and, and then 1020 and 2040. Limit Hold'em for, for a while. Um, and I mostly played live. You know, I, I dabbled online, but I, I actually mostly played live. I was living in Philadelphia and, and going into Atlantic City a ton. And yeah, started mixing in uh, some No Limit cash games and, and maybe playing four or five No Limit tournaments a year. And then uh, when Parks opened, I don't know if you're familiar with Parks uh, in Philadelphia, P-A-R-X, but they opened in Philadelphia. It was like the first big card room in Philadelphia and action there for the first two to three years was like completely insane. And so um, that was really good and just kind of helped me stay afloat until uh, the DFS thing happened in 2015, which, uh, you know, kind of just injected so much life and money and everything into the fantasy sports industry. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have like a ridiculously great uh, poker career, but I've certainly played a lot of hours, mostly Mostly live cash. All right. Uh, I mean, it It seems like a similar skill set. It seems like... I, I know there's lots of sports betting at the poker tables. I've been tempted to bet... Um, I guess this isn't DFS, but like boxing and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that would be my most tempting venture. Uh, but uh, I've toyed a little bit with getting uh into the sports betting betting arena um yeah i mean a lot of the guys that were playing dfs big when dfs first got popular were, were poker guys i mean i'm sure maybe you, you know or you don't like dan i know you know dan smith was playing for a while uh aaron jones um was playing for a while uh, a bunch of guys you know taylor Cavey and and andrew wiggins from card runners were, were playing uh oh, big when <laughs> yeah when dfs first started so Skill set is, is certainly very similar. Like the lobby in the DFS looks just like a lobby in an online poker room. You can play any format, any amount of money, anything you want, uh, just like a poker lobby. Um, and yeah, I think the skill set is, is relatively similar. You know, take like um, incomplete information and try to make your best, your best guess at, at what the right decision is next. I think the big difference is in poker, you're making live decisions constantly and and I find that super interesting. In, in DFS, all the all the decisions kind of come at once, and the game start, and you you don't really have many any decisions after that. Oh, okay. So it's not. I know there's a kind of um, betting where you're betting while the game's going on. Yep, live betting. Yep. Uh, that uh, is very. Uh, how do you say? I want to. I want to say emotionally compelling, uh, much more frustrating or exciting. Uh, I mean, I can see how DFS is exciting also. I didn't I need actually try it, uh, but I've heard that there's the craziest swings in sports. Like, there's all sorts of, like, insane shit that happens all the time. I, I, yeah. I, I would think, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how that works out. Like, you wouldn't think, like, there's all sorts of... I don't know. I would just think it's, like... I mean, from my viewpoint... Uh, like how crazy bad beats can you get in sports? I guess you could like miss a touchdown or uh, or miss like a. Well, there's been some famous ones. Like a guy I know was willing, winning a million in the uh, golf and was the Masters DFS, the big tournament for the Masters. He was winning a million down yeah. to the last hole. Dude misses a three foot putt and costs him 750k. He finished in second for 250. And so you know, like just like in poker, it's so top heavy <laughs> at the top. And so like you know. It, you need to get first and really you need to get top three, but really first to really like capitalize on the tournaments. And so that's where you get a lot of these bad beats. Like, you know, a guy kneels to end the game, a quarterback kneels on the ball to end the game. He loses a yard rushing and people could fall out of first and stuff like that. And so, 
yeah, there's definitely bad bad beats like that for sure. I wonder if the bad beats compare to poker bad beats. Uh, I mean, like that that uh, situation. I mean, a three putt three feet putt sounds like an absurd thing for a putter to miss. It reminds me of like this insane mistake I made on TV where I folded. Um, I folded. I basically torched fifty thousand dollars folding like queens or something to Berkey's, uh, Matt Berkey's ace jack in a three-bit pot. And I knew that Berkey was crazy, but I just thought he wasn't bluffing. And then I uh, just like had an aneurysm when I saw his hand. And he had ace jack for like 200k. Uh, but that, that must be what it's like, right? Because like, it's like, how can you miss make this kind of mistake for uh, that? I mean, a three, three foot putts are almost impossible to miss, right? Yeah, I think the tour a tour pro makes it like ninety six or ninety seven percent of the time, you know. So that's definitely worse than most bad beats you would get oh, uh, in poker for sure. Ninety six or ninety seven percent is intense. All right. <laughs> well, um, well, do you have any bad beat stories? Like any exceptional bad beat stories on big bets you've made, or big uh, or good beat stories? You can have some good beat stories or some success stories in any direction. Yeah, I I don't know. I wouldn't call it bad beat because I you know like I play so much at all, and I sure you know I mean it just all evens out in the end for sure. I I would say that though there is like some luck of running well at uh, the right time. So like the best uh, tournament team I I ever had was last year in week sixteen. Um, it was a million to first and two hundred fifty k to second. Um, I was in second going down to the last. Uh, drive for the Bengals and I had Jamar Chase on my team and the guy in first didn't and so the Bengals got the ball back and Joe Burrow drops back and he kind of scans the field and he looks at Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase is covered and he looks away doesn't throw it to him second down first read was to Jamar Chase doesn't throw it to him again he wasn't open so I ended up losing but I still got second for 250 but yeah first was a million and all he had to do was just get one more completion to Jamar Chase and I would have won it, but um, you know, uh, it's all in the game. Uh, it, it didn't really bother me uh, too too much. I haven't had any where like I was in first and some dude fucked up and and I fell out of first. I haven't had any of those. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, that that must be running good then. I would think <laughs> yeah. running well, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of like poker. I play mostly cash, so like the 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 beats don't show up for as big numbers, you know, like um, the stuff you see with poker and with DFS is these like crazy swings of equity in, in the final table or in the, in the top three. And I, it doesn't happen like that in cash, as you know. So, um, so yeah, I play mostly cash. So it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to me nearly as much. Oh, uh, all right. It sounds, it's an easy way or, easier way of doing things. Um, <laughs> So you're one of the uh, biggest influencers in the space of fantasy sports. How do you uh, stay ahead of the competition? So weird to be called an influencer. Yeah, I. Uh, well, I cannot. I, I don't know. It is kind of weird, actually. <laughs> uh, come to think of it, an influencer in DFS sports. Um, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I think. People, um, I think people connect with me because uh, a lot of them think the same way I do and, and, they, and they think the same things are funny that I think are funny. And um, I, I, they know that like I'm not trying to do anything other than give them the best information that I can. I mean, really, like I'm just working so hard to try to be good at DFS and I just share like stuff that I find um, along the way with people and try to help them also. And yeah, I mean, if you do it for long enough and, and people see that you're genuine and, and sincere about it, I think that's cool. And I, and yeah, I, I think just like, again, like the only reason I'm a quote unquote influencer is because I was early on Twitter. Like I was one of the first people uh, on Twitter talking about fantasy football. Like this was 2013, ah, maybe before, I don't even remember when it was, but like, I remember thinking like, what is this weird app? You know, there's like nobody on it, but I'm just going to start making tweets about fantasy football. And so then obviously like first mover advantage, um, 
I got a lot of followers and that makes you like an influencer. But really, it's just about being early and, and posting or tweeting interesting stuff. And that's basically um, all I've done. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's weird to think about it. I never really thought about exactly why. But, but yeah, I guess that, that's probably part of it. I mean, related to that, uh, I know that you struggled with building your podcast in the beginning. Uh, how did you end up uh, building that or building that one um, specifically? It sounds like the Twitter took off a little bit more easily. Yeah, I think um, first podcast I started, uh, uh, I was doing like a uh, like a like a deep DraftKings Pro. I was, you know, like similar to like a Full Tilt Pro or a, or a Poker Stars Pro, you know, like uh, signed on to be like a DraftKings Pro in 2015, and one of my roles there was to, uh, uh, as part of that, was to start a podcast that was like sponsored by DraftKings essentially and talked about all this DraftKings stuff. Um, that podcast took off reasonably well because it was kind of early for podcasts and like distribution uh, and discovery was, was easier at that time. Um, stopped that podcast uh, in 2019 and started a new one from scratch. And at that point, like, you know, we had already built up the first podcast and we had a little note at the, at the last episode being like, we're changing to a different feed and we're changing uh, the podcast format. So we got, I think we got a lot of people from that. And then also um, just being on Twitter and being like, hey, we have a new podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of really dedicated people on Twitter, people who play fantasy football seriously, almost all of them are on Twitter. Hmm. And so if they find it, they find that we have a podcast. Um, that's, that's, that's just a, a good way to find it. But yeah, in terms of like people discovering a new podcast, it's really hard to get your podcast like uh, dis- uh, discovered by people just randomly. Like the search engine stuff on it is not great. So yeah, it's 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 definitely not easy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a bit more complicated than I uh, realized. Um, it is, <laughs> it's interesting to to see how like how it it is built in um, in other areas. I mean, it does make sense. Like, who would have thought like Twitter was like really useful for DFS sports? It's kind of interesting. Oh yeah. I mean, all the best and fastest information is on Twitter. And I know people hate Twitter and they bitch about Twitter all the time. Uh, if you use lists, in other words, you don't let the algorithm just like feed you all the nonsense and bullshit that comes on Twitter. I only use lists. In other words, like I have a list for DFS uh, football. I have a list for poker. I have a list for uh, basketball. And like I only look at those lists. I, I never see anything else, just the people that I want to see on those specific topics. So I, that's why, to me, like Twitter is great. I, it's like the best and fastest information, in my opinion. Oh, are you serious? I was looking for this for Instagram because I'm like sitting here thinking I'm like there's so much information blowing up in my face that it's like uh, not. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick out what. Well, it's hard to like filter pro- properly. Uh, but yeah, I didn't know uh, Twitter has a function. It really would be useful for Instagram. I mean, one big issue is. With the world today is everyone's trying to fight for attention and all of that. And there's yeah. Like, you have to be able to filter out the raw. I mean, there's, you can only have so much attention. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and like the stuff the algorithm is feeding me, like, I don't want to see like uh, all this political nonsense and all this other bullshit. Like, I just don't want to see it at all. And I, and I never see it on my Twitter. So yeah, it, it's so good. Maybe I should be using Twitter more. Oh yeah. DFR yeah. Get on there. Yeah. Uh, so do you actually enjoy playing DFS in the gambling portion of it or uh, more the content creation part? Oh, no. I mean, I love playing. I mean, but it goes hand in hand, right? Like, I think one of the reasons that, like, I've had successful with it, been successful with the content stuff is because people know that I'm playing and I'm playing big. Like, they know that, like, I actually have skin in the game, you know? And so I think it goes hand in hand, but I, I love playing, you know? Um, my favorite way to play is heads up. Uh, you know, they call it uh, head-to-head in DFS. And, and yeah, it's just the, the best. I, I, I really do um, love playing. Um, you know, I get, it's probably more fun for me than other people to play because I get crazy action because people are like, oh, let me go play this dude who, uh, you know, is famous or whatever or, or pseudo-famous and uh, I'm going to go play him and, and beat him. So I get way better action than other, than other people. So I guess it's more fun for me, but uh, but yeah, I, I I love playing. Um, 
So what do you love about it exactly? Yeah, I, I always loved gambling and, and playing peer-to-peer -peer games. You know, I, I never played a, like a hand of blackjack in my life or roulette or, or any of that nonsense, but I always just wanted to do peer-to-peer -peer stuff. I do all kinds of crazy prop bets with sports and fitness and stuff. And I, I just, I, I, I love to play and I always liked fantasy football. And so like when DFS came out, I just knew it was like perfect for me. It was fantasy football and like gambling peer-to-peer, -peer, which is, couldn't imagine like a more fun thing for me to do. Um, I, so it sounds like it's the competitive uh, gambling part to it. You, like you don't, as you said, you don't like play. Sounds like you're not interested in the house games. Uh, no. Eh, are, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, I have actually a great record in house games. I've uh, taken a share. I've got a couple stories. Also some um, prop bets, some fitness bets and stuff like that. I was about to ask you about that, but I'll say my, uh, I'm actually a lifetime very plus EV plus profitable in, um, house games because I took a share just for fun of like a friend's Baccarat action, uh, Roy Cal's Baccarat action. And somehow he ended up winning like hundreds of thousands of dollars. He, I like, he won most of the time when I took a share. So that's why he gave me like 10% action. Uh, but it's like a bit it's funny if uh, you win in those situations because, um, uh, <laughs> you know, just random dribble. Like in these cases, you expect to lose. It's really funny to actually. It just makes good stories. Let's put it that way. I, uh, I gambled also recently playing, what is it called? I don't even know the names. Roulette. Uh, it's just... <laughs> and uh, won like $2,000 with friends and stupid shit like that. But otherwise, I don't play. Uh, what kind of uh, prop bets have you done? I can tell you... Well, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so I, I've done... Um, God, so many ones. I did a one-mile race against Bales. Then I did a one-mile race against Brandon Adams, who you probably know yeah. uh, from poker. Did a, a, a bench press bet see who could do 135 uh the most times um did a box jump bet i played a uh a former tennis professional an atp tour pro in tennis except i used my racket and he used a frying pan um <laughs> that was a fun one uh, <laughs> i've done um god i've done so many it's they're, they're all the fitness ones are so fun because like i'm always struggle with motivation on fitness but if you give me like some carrot or some money at the end or some like competition against someone else i'm pretty good about training on it so um so yeah i i love doing them and like i've done a ton of tennis bets lately just played brandon uh in a tennis bet which was a lot of fun so so yeah um it's been great um i actually uh i'm the same way with the fitness bets and that i'm you know it's really hard for me to like you know when i'm doing the row machine and i really have a hard time sitting there thinking why the f should i try to beat my rowing machine scores or push me push myself really hard knowing also like you won't really see much payoff of sorts from that it's really a lot of work to get in really good shape uh i found out the tough oh, yeah. i'm not like exceptionally athletic or anything like that i'm not very athletic actually um i have a very bad record uh a pretty bad record in uh fitness bets i think i've lost like 75 percent of them uh but I, I'm not as creative as you. I've had a, a incline mile run against Elky uh, and some other things. But uh, you should tell uh, some numbers. Let's hear some numbers of like what are your mile runs against Brandon Adams and uh, how many times did you 135? Did you win with the against the guy with the frying pan? Like what are what are the uh, uh, yeah what are the numbers? Yeah. So. Brandon's like a little bit older than me. He's, uh, I'm 40. I guess he's probably 43 or 44. So I thought that would be a little bit uh, of an advantage for me. But as it turned out, I was just dead. I mean, he's so much taller than me. And, and I'm not much of a long distance runner at all. I actually got a running coach uh, for this bet. But basically all the coach did was like show up and make me run. You know, we didn't have any like great strategy. So uh, <laughs> like go faster. So, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, he would, it actually really sucked. I, I hated it. I would just show up with this coach and just start running. But anyways, <laughs> I, I was happy with what I did. I ran a 618, but Brand, I was like not even close. Brandon ran 537 or something totally insane like that. And so I think no matter how much I trained, I would never be able to run 537. So um, I think I was always dead there. The frying pan match um, was incredible. I, I won the first set 6-2. It was best of three sets. I won the first set 6-2, and I was kind of coasting. And um, Second set, I had three match points. I had a 40-love lead at 5-4 uh, in the third set and just choked off the three match points. Lost that set in a tiebreaker. And then when it went to the third set, I mean, I just my fitness was just awful. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move, and I was just dead. I think I lost the third set. 6-2, and I mean, he's like an ATT, ATP tour pro. Like, yeah, he does not great. miss. Like, he gets to every single ball, no matter what. And I, I'm okay at tennis, you know. I'm like somewhere between a 4-0 and a 4-5. And, and, uh, and, you know, I was hitting shots that I thought would be clean winners against most people. But even with a frying pan, you know, this guy gets to every ball. And so, um, yeah, it's, that was a tough loss. Um, what was it? Oh, 135. I think uh, I ended up winning it. I, I, I did uh, 135 like 16 times, which certainly isn't a lot. I'm not very strong, but uh, competition was weak there. So that was a good win. Um, Maybe uh, yeah. you're trying to get some action. I'm tempted to bet, a, bet on you with this. <laughs> I, uh, with, uh, I have some advantages. Uh, I think I can break a six-minute mile, but I don't think mm -hmm. I actually have. I've gotten very close, though, and not really tried. But uh, um, I have a, I have a, I have a, a couple stories of my own, uh, and some. Well, I did a fitness battle against Elky, so there's that. I have a uh, a actual um, story from a former professional tennis player about how he lost when he was a massive favorite. Um, so he, I believe, he had such an advantage that he was basically like a couple games away for like a major competition to win, um, like a couple sets away or something like that, where he didn't really have to score too much more. Uh, and he was better the other, than the other guy. And all of a sudden he, he takes his water bottle and he, he's drinking it. Like he's, I have a water bottle with me. Isn't that funny? He's drinking it like this. And uh, a bee flies into his water bottle. And then he, uh, you know, he drinks the water bottle and he swallows the bee and the bee stings him. No joke. And he like is no longer capable of playing. And this is how he loses like a pretty, a major competition, uh, and tennis. I mean, I don't know how much you see like shit like that happen, but, uh, that would be, I don't know what kind of like poker analogy or DFS analogy would uh well dfs would would witness it yeah. <laughs> um I thought yeah, no, the, there's a lot of good tennis stuff in poker man i mean patrick antonius is some like world-class tennis player allegedly or something like that uh he's ridiculous and i know david benefield i know has been playing uh a bunch too so yeah i'm always looking for tennis action if anybody out there is listening and they want tennis action i'm, I'm here to give it I, I i love doing uh tennis bets Open tennis action from Adam uh, Levitan. I don't think I can match you in tennis. I'm terrible at tennis. And it makes no sense for me to get good at tennis. But that bench press, that 135 bench press number, I think you can get some action on. Uh, but that, that as uh, my strength is, uh, or I'm pretty strong with that um, compared to whoever. Um, yeah. With, with Elkie, we did... Um, we, we were meant to get to 12% body fat, and, and I actually have that bet now with him to get to 12% body fat. It's, uh, it's quite difficult, um, but we did three bets uh, for two Bitcoins each, 12% body fat. We did uh, push-ups each, and I gave him a major spot. I gave him something like 25%. Um, he had to do, I had to do 25% more or something like that. And we did uh, incline mile, uh, and we did, what was it, longest plank. Uh, for fitness bets, I've I've been involved in bets like this before. Every time it turns into a debate over your push up form was so shitty, your ass was in the air, you didn't go low enough, all this other bullshit with push ups, and then with planks. I mean, God, if you put your weight like into your 
legs more than your arms or whatever, like you could gain a huge advantage there. I'm not sure if you could even spot someone if they're doing a perfect plank or not. So I try to stay away from the the bets that are like judgment calls because I don't know if you know the, the, the my friend Bales did this push up bet. Could he do 2,400 push ups in 12 hours? And he did it, and he won a bunch of money. But everybody afterwards was bitching that the push ups weren't good enough. They weren't real push ups allegedly, which was bullshit. Because they, they really were, but you know, I understand why people were bitching because it's everybody has different description of what a real push up is. Yeah, I maybe should have debated. I, I maybe should have debated. I mean, based on technicalities, they probably lose for the plank bet. But definitely, his plank form was not very good in comparison to mine. Uh, I think mine was the real deal. Um, but what can I say? And yeah. He did beat me at the planks, uh, but also I have like a pretty major disadvantage at that. Um, yeah, uh, I can say the the short version of that story. I'll keep it short, and we'll talk more about you in a sec. But I uh, I did uh, I'll I'll brag a little bit if we're bringing up this subject. I did 170 push-ups before failure, uh, and that that I won. Uh, the yeah. The, we both did around like seventeen over seventeen minutes for planks. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, and I mean it's for two bitcoins, man. Uh, but I mean it was pretty. Like I'd have to like change my form in order to, and maybe I could win, but I have heavy legs, like I said. Um, and then with the race, I like lost based on like the stupidest reason ever. We both failed the the fat loss thing. But on the race, I uh, I would have won, but and I don't know what my time was, but uh, I got confused and I thought that we were ending at one point six um, kilometers, but we started at point one. But since every single time I started at, I built the habit of thinking that we're going to end at one point six because I'm running it on my when I run it normally it ends at one point six, but um, you know I'm like beating him by a point two the kilometers or something at the end and I end at 1.6, but then I realized, Oh shit, we got to go to 1.7. And that's why I lost the, uh, that bet. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, not a good record in fitness bets. I'm like a little cautious now, but I may be open to action as it turns out. Well, I mean, I, obviously, you're, you're way stronger than me. I, I would need a huge handicap in any bench press thing. I mean, 16 is nothing for, for 135. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Some people, could probably, some people could do 135 for like hundreds of times, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, not that I don't care to do that. But there might be betting possibilities in, in uh, <laughs> the future. That'll be a different discussion. Um, how hard is it to win at DFS? So... In 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, I mean, there were people ripping off 50%, 60% ROIs. I mean, dozens of people making seven figures uh, playing DFS, I think. Um, like any other game, it's going to become more efficient over time. And, you know, people who suck are going to just quit. Um, and so it's gotten a lot harder. I mean, it's gotten a lot, a lot, a lot harder. There's no doubt about it whatsoever the rake has also gone up uh somewhat in certain contests which obviously doesn't help so yeah it's it's hard i i would say now there's probably only two three four guys probably making seven figures uh a year playing dfs oh, really? um which is you know not a big number i'm sure compared to what people are doing in poker but um yeah, but yeah it's hard i i think i think if you're in these days in today's games in dfs if you're doing anything between anything over 10% ROI uh, on your action is, is very good. And 20% would be like elite and 25% would be like world-class. So, so yeah, it's hard for sure. And, and, you know, I mean, people just got to expect it. Any game like this is, is going to get harder over time. I think anybody in poker understands that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figure I, I, I wasn't sure how big of a market it really was. I wasn't sure like how, like, I've heard of some big numbers, uh, but yeah, it's one of these things. Like, I mean, sports is also big if you're like, you can also make a ton of money in sports if, or in poker if you really know what you're doing. But it's you know, you know, you have to like be in the right situations and all this other shit, blah blah blah. Um, 
And uh, I see you've uh, you've got a new venture with a solver and a set of uh, tools for DFS players. Is this um, one of those the situ one of those situations of yeah, there's these there's a gold rush, and now the real people that make the money are the people that sells the tools to the people who are in the gold rush. Or uh, what's your vision for this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just like the next step for us is to like instead of saying, "Hey, you should be using an optimizer, you should be using a bankroll tracker," you know, you should be using this HUD or or, or this overlay when you're drafting your best ball teams or whatever. Like instead of us saying you should be using that stuff. Like we should just build it. Right. So, you know, it's just a business thing. Like I, I think we know how to build it because we're actually the ones playing. We actually have skin in the game. And so that was just basically the idea to, to launch a site that it's not going to have any content. It's not going to have any uh, projections or anything like that. It's just tools that we think help people win at fantasy sports. So, so yeah, I, I, it's just like a natural, I think uh, no brainer. Oh, uh, is it like, are there multiple sites doing that now? Because I remember in poker, it didn't take super long for people to make those sites. And now there's like, I don't know, like 10 or more of them or so. I keep yeah. the ones. The first optimizers came out for DFS. In other words, an optimizer for DFS just means you take a set of projections, you put it into the optimizer and it spits back out the top 10 lineups that you can make based on those projections or the 100 best lineups or the 300 best lineups you can make. With that set of projections, obviously there's a lot more to it. You can make all kinds of different rules with it. The first of those came out in, I don't know, 2017, 2018 or so. So yeah, it's certainly out there. You know, we think we can do a better version of it and we can also build some new stuff. So yeah, hopefully it's just the start, but for sure it's no, it's nothing. Uh, DFS Optimizer is, is nothing new. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, I imagine the process is somewhat, I mean, I, I would just imagine it's like a different lens of how poker works in a way, uh, or at least it could be. Like, I don't really use a ton of uh, software in my games too much. I don't necessarily do a whole lot of analysis unless I'm like really trying to beat the competitive stakes. Um, but is it like necessary these days in DFS sports? Do you just like have to be working these um are there just like not that many soft spots or do you just have to like put in that extra work all the time i think um for football some people i think are talented enough to kind of eyeball it and and just be like hey um i know what the best team is going to be here just by eyeballing it i'd be surprised though if anyone playing high stakes is not using some type of optimizer not necessarily to just like tell them the answer but hey, let me look at what the top 10 lineups are here. Or let me lock uh, Tom Brady. I know I'm playing Tom Brady this week. Let me lock Tom Brady and then optimize 10 lineups or 20 lineups from there and see what my favorite Tom Brady lineup is. This week, um, I, I think everybody at high stakes is doing that. Um, it's just a more repeatable process. And then for tournaments, you know, basically what the optimizer is doing is it's allowing you to replicate, hopefully replicate what you want to do but do it faster. In other words, I want 150 lineups where I have a quarterback and two wide receivers from his same team and one wide receiver from the other team. And I want a running back paired with his own defense. And you make me 150 lineups of those and it takes 30 seconds instead of me going through and hand building all those. You know, that's obviously a big edge. So, Whoa, or it can be a big, a, or it can be a big loser if your inputs are wrong or if your takes are wrong. You know, you make 150 lineups and you put them in, you're going to lose a lot more, obviously. So, oh, yeah. you know, if you have an edge and you're able to multiply it, it's obviously worth a lot. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you use the, the technology wrong, then you, like, really screw yourself. I mean, this did kind of happen in poker where people would... Uh, I remember playing against some people who, who really thought they were playing math, uh, you know, using some sound math. But it was, like, pretty obvious if you really thought about it that they weren't. Uh, like, I played against some guys where... I mean, I was thinking to myself, maybe I should just, like, go max exploit in some of these situations because... They kind of, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I guess, one of the dualities of technology in that, like, if you, like, believe so strongly in technology, but you get it wrong, uh, if you, if you do the, the whatever wrong, you're going to, like, you pigeonhole yourself into failure until you figure out that something's wrong. And, and in order to do that, you've got to use your own judgment to a degree. So, 
Um, in fact, it reminds yeah. me. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, because I, I always have questions about the solver stuff with poker, and, and like, it's like, oh, you have to put your opponent on a range here, which is cool. Except if anybody's ever played, you know, like five ten at Borgata or or, or ten twenty or ten twenty five at Parks or you know ten twenty at Bellagio, you see these people show up with absolutely absurd stuff that I would never even think to include in their range. I was putting into the solvers, so like, and then I get frustrated, and I'm like, well, why, why would I even use use a poker solver here? Because I can't, I, I struggle so hard to put these maniacs on a range. You know what I mean? Well, I think these are the progress in these sorts of situations is a bit nonlinear in that, I mean, I didn't use uh, the solvers for years and then I used the solvers and then I realized, oh, now that I know that they have these kinds of hands on the range, I can uh, adjust exploitatively in this kind of direction. Like for example, if you know that someone like doesn't peel, uh, what's a good example? Um, like they don't have suited connectors in their cold calling range. No, that's not a great one. Or they're just, their their range is very, very like pair heavy, like pocket pair heavy. You can uh, double barrel them more potentially. Or if you know that um, they call too many hands in the big blind, you can, uh, you can value bet more thinly. You can, um, uh, you can usually bluff more to a degree as well. You can, well, on the whole, you can raise the aggression because it's just that much harder to play with a really wide range. Um, in heads up, uh, the intuition or the intuitive counters are a bit more obvious. Like if you know that someone calls every overcard that it, you know that has uh, like any like like a lot of like double uh, a lot of overcards that they're not really supposed to on like. Uh, like a paired board, like two, two, four, or two, or even like two, five, six, or something like that, then you should double barrel them more, or you can like see bet less, uh, things like that. You can see a bit with the trackers as well. I mean, it, it basically looks like that. Like once you know equilibrium, what roughly equilibrium is in spots, you can see how to exploit them appropriately, appropriately later on, um, or in those spots, I should say. Like that's. Mm -hmm. That's basically the principle behind that. Yeah, I, I, I for sure, I for sure get that. I guess I always thought that like I could do that on my own, right? Like I see a guy's calling too wide, or I see a guy always flats with all of his sevens through deuces, and like obviously I'm double barreling more there. I guess I, I feel like I don't need the solver to, to tell me that, but maybe, maybe I do. Uh, you could like there are ways of of uh, what's the word? Um, making the math a lot simpler. Uh, that can show whether that's plus EV or not. I mean, you can also just do like a rough like combo uh, calculation that doesn't necessarily like that might take as long as putting it into the solver. To be honest, especially in you know some ring situations where their ranges aren't like that complicated, and uh, like all you really need to do is to see that double barreling is like easily profitable to. To do it, um, you don't need like the perfect answer. Searching for perfection really isn't a great way to go. Uh, if that makes some kind of sense, so yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily use the solvers unless you're like really trying to like beat the best in the world or, or battling it. It, it depends. If you're trying to beat the parks, probably don't bother. But if you're trying to crush the parks, or if you're trying to beat high stakes online poker, if you're trying to beat high stakes MTTs some solver work uh, is probably required. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense for sure. Would you say, uh, yeah, I think I did kind of ask this, um, but it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you don't, oh yeah, you did answer. You said you don't necessarily, you mostly do need to do a bit of extra work with uh, the DFS stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have projections on the site and I think that's why a lot of people uh, pay us is essentially to like take all the information that's out there, all the coaching stuff, all the tendencies, all the matchup stuff, and try to boil it down to one number, which is our projection for a player. And we have a base projection, a ceiling projection, an ownership projection, aka how often we think other people will use this player in a contest. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can get you like 95, 97% of the way there. If you want to get all the way there, you have to understand, I think, for yourself the assumptions that are going into the projections, like I mentioned, 
and some things that are outside the projections. But yeah, you can get a lot of the way there just by like paying someone, hopefully us, but paying someone to do a lot of that work for you and boil it down to one projection. We think the mean outcome uh, for Antonio Gibson is 9.4 DraftKings points, you know, and, and, and go from there. That can get you a, a lot of the way there. Not all the way, but a lot of the way. Um, I mean, do you really need to go the other like three or five percent, or is that just uh, is it that important, or or is it not? In yeah, in in previous versions of DFS, like I talked about, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, you did not need to go any further what whatsoever. These days, uh, if you're playing at high stakes, yeah, I, I think you probably need to go further. If you're playing, you know, five hundred bucks a week or something, no, I don't think you need to go further as long as you're as long as you're game selecting well. Okay. All right. It seems simple enough. Uh, so how do you, um, do you have like a process with coming up with content? Do you, um, do other, in, do other like people who make content in DFS sports, uh, influence you in some kind of way? Uh, what does that look like for you? What does the process look like? Yeah, basically like I'm getting ready all week to play DFS and so I share with other people what I find along the way. And like, that's been super successful. Like the stuff that I'm tweeting is basically just stuff that I use to win, you know, information or stats or data or whatever, or, or tools or whatever that, that I use to win. Mm-hmm. And so that's really like the baseline for me for content is if I, if I'm doing it, if I think that it's important for the slate, if I think it's important for the week, then I'll share it with people. And to me, that's, that's content. I never went into this being like, I'm going to be a, content creator influencer i was just like you know i'll just share what i what i see along the way as i'm getting ready uh for the slate so that's basically it you know i've in terms of like funny stuff we've certainly branched out into trying to do some funny stuff and we hired uh, a bunch of video editors and and a video editing team who's been awesome just like taking clips from the podcast and trying to be funny with it and i think that's really good content too um so yeah it, it it's become more intentional with the content, but when I first started and, and mostly I'm just literally just tweeting or, or writing or, or making a video about things that I think are important to, to winning in DFS and, and that's it. Yeah. It sounds like, sounds like there's a plethora of content that it sounds like it's not flows naturally. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so deep, you know, it, it's so deep, uh, you, you know, there's so much going on constantly in sports that, I mean, you know, there's like so many channels and so many radio shows that all they do 24 seven is talk about sports and, and people eat it up. This is just like a very, very niche form of that where we only talk about uh, DFS. So, so yeah, but I mean, the people who are into it are into it big, 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 big time. There's a never ending supply of, of stuff to talk about. That sounds like a great situation. What can I say? Uh, but I have to ask about this hashtag. Uh, what is this hashtag team sex? What's this? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 for some reason, like I started doing jokes about sex and stuff, just like literal, like total, like jokes, just like stupid stuff. And I, I was just, uh, and then it got so popular. Like anytime there's any interaction between like the NFL and like sex, like, you know, the Vikings had like some sex boat or something or Christian McCaffrey is, is, you know, taking pictures with Olivia Culpa or something like people just send this stuff to me. They, they can't stop. All they want me to do is make uh, these sex jokes. And, you know, the, the, the hashtags, I find the hashtags so stupid, you know, on Instagram and Twitter or whatever. And people were doing like, uh, you know, team eat healthy and all this serious stuff. So I just started doing ridiculous hashtags, you know, like team sex and stuff like that or team no sex. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's all just a joke basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's apparently one that's really caught on if people are like sending you like uh, stuff about like the Vikings boat and God knows what else. Yeah. Yeah, people are sick for sure. Well, it seems like something that would like catch on pretty fast just because one thing in humor that I've uh, seen, although it's not my taste in humor personally, is that uh, uh, people really like these like sex jokes specifically. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. in Las Vegas, uh, all sexual now they're like you know what it. let's just go all sexual with our jokes um and it's like one of the most popular shows in las vegas oh yeah yeah exactly it's it's 
for sure out of control. And I think they're like the juxtaposition of like talking really nerdy and really seriously and like really hardcore about DFS or poker and then also mixing in like being hardcore or like making jokes about sex but doing it like quantitatively like you know I joke about like these models that we have for like optimal performance and you know like thrust over expectation and like ridiculous stuff that (laughs) that we take from nerdy DFS stuff that we make jokes about with that so yeah it's I, I, I don't know I think the juxtaposition of it is kind of funny do you have like uh, it would be like ima- imagine like Phil Galfon like talking like breaking down Omaha hands and then like in his next breath like breaking down like optimal positions or something like that you know like it would be like uh, that. <laughs> it does feel like there's a lot of jokes in there actually come to think we have to be using some of these uh, they might be worth a shot it sounds it sounds a little uh, I don't know it could sound sleazy or weird too but my first thought was when you mentioned models. As an example, you could like we, we you could talk about the old models and like say, oh, this was like I could say all this could backfire pretty well. Like the old models were like the old, uh, yeah, the old. Uh, the I don't even know how to say this politically correct. Actually, <laughs> it's just I'm just thinking of like add, adding some imagery to to it all. It's some, but yes. it seems a little bit risky. Now that I'm thinking of this topic, uh, just because don't offend anyone with uh, certain images of yeah. people. Well, if you're if you're gonna go for jokes, though, you got to realize you're always gonna offend someone, you know. So I mean, that it's just it is what it is. I don't I don't worry about that that too much. If I think it's funny, if you, even if it offends someone, I'm I'm okay with it. Well, what's uh what's next on the agenda for you in sports? Do you have any good big prop bets coming up or anything like that? I don't, you know, I'm usually like so busy during the season where I, I kind of really fall off on doing anything except for being at my computer after the season's over. I'll for sure be looking for uh, some props and, and some stuff to get back into shape. So, um, yeah, don't really have anything on the horizon other than just grinding for the next uh, couple months here until the season's over. Um, kind of in February, the season ends. And and yeah, that that's that's kind of it for now. Okay. Uh, what do you see for the future of DFS sports? Is that uh, is there any clear trends on the horizon, or any like uh, news? Do you think that will come out, or anything that will come? Any 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 trends that will emerge over time, or anything like this? I'm a little worried. Um, just with sports betting becoming legal across the United States, you know, if you're not good at DFS, like you're going to lose, you know, and if you're not good at sports betting, you're going to lose too. But the lines are so efficient. Like if you show up on Sunday. 12:30 Eastern, right before the game start, and you just randomly throw a dart and you bet the sides, you know, like bucks minus six or whatever. The line is efficient. You're only really losing the rake. Like you're not going to lose that much, you know. And so I think a lot of people who aren't good at DFS or have been losing at DFS be like, screw this. I'm just it's so much less work. I'm just going to show up on 12:30 at Sundays, pick some games I like, and I'll hit roughly 50 percent, and I'll get my entertainment, and I'll lose the 10 percent juice along the way, and and it is what it is. So. Um, I'm a little worried about that. I haven't seen that yet uh, in DFS. I think DFS is still really strong. The community is really strong. There's still a ton of action. There's still a ton of players. But yeah, I hope, like I'm way more into, I'm not into sports betting at all. You know, I, I hope, I'm hopeful that sports betting won't cripple the DFS uh, ecosystem, but um, certainly something to watch, I would say. Um, yeah, that could be, I could see how that would have a massive effect on the whole DFS field. Um, and I did imagine, I did understand a lot of sports, especially in the U.S., are like super, as you said, like super efficient. It sounds actually really tough to make money at sports. Uh, if somebody tells you they're they're winning betting NFL sides, like I just assume they're a liar. Like I just, I, I would just make them prove it. Be like, I'll take your action. Like prove it. You know, like if you're if you can beat minus one ten on both sides in the NFL market and betting at liquid times, not openers, not look ahead lines like betting Friday, Saturday, Sunday and beating NFL lines, I would be shocked and impressed. I think anybody betting sports professionally, most people betting sports professionally are betting college basketball, you know, hockey, like, you know, a little bit more off-brand stuff where it's not quite as efficient. What about like um, MMA fighting, these kinds of things? MMA is pretty on-brand, I would think. I haven't looked at at MMA at all. I know it's really popular, and if there were inefficient lines there, it would it would not surprise me at all. And I think you can get a lot of like prop stuff there too. Like I don't know, like 
what round will he be knocked out in or whatever. I'm sure there's some things that are priced somewhat inefficiently there if you if you have good stuff on it. Um, but yeah, I've never looked at it. Hmm. Well, yeah, these gambling fields uh, can be really tricky when they get really efficient. Um, actually, that's partly why I think uh, I mean, I've been thinking about this lately. I'm, uh, do you, let's just start with this. Do you make every life decision based out, off of similar processes when you are gambling? So, uh, are you saying, is there like some calculation in my head, uh, when, uh, I make a life decision similar to there would be when I was playing poker or something like that? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Does, do you apply this also to your, um, yeah. Well, I'm tempted to say, do you apply to your fitness or to uh, other areas of your life as well? Are you thinking in this kind of way or are you just more uh, not putting that much thought into it? No, I do. I mean, I think it's hard not to, you know, like I, I, I don't think it's a healthy way to live. But uh, anytime I make a decision, I'm like calculating the EV quickly in my head, you know, not some like math formula down to the dollar. But like, you know, I have 30 minutes here. What's the most EV way to use? this time you know i don't think that's really a healthy way to live is to constantly be thinking about what's the most optimal what's the most right sometimes in life i think it's better off just like going with the flow and, and doing whatever even if it's not the most plus ev decision in life so yeah I've, I've tried to stop doing that but it's hard to stop you know it's definitely kind of like the way i've always thought about things uh always but yeah i, I kind of wish i didn't because maybe i'd have a more uh fulfilled life i guess I uh, I was actually about to ask you, like, why do you say it's not necessarily healthy? I mean, I could see how, like, uh, how do you say, optimizing for precisely money made every single right. time. If you're, like, looking at things like, how do I, like, optimize my money, like, all the time? Like, that I could see how is not necessarily healthy. But if you, like, I just think that if you view what you're optimizing for, it feels so weird to say that. Uh in a broader context, like if you're trying to optimize all the fun you have, you can have, then you can like just say, okay, I'm not going to like do a math calculation or something like that. And it's like kind of controllable if you know what I mean. For sure. Yeah. And like, yeah, optimizing for life EV is oftentimes different than optimizing for financial EV, right? So like, I think I understand that, but sometimes, you know, it can get clouded. Do you, um, well, it sounds like you're really into tennis. Do you do anything else besides that, uh, that doesn't necessarily have like a monetary investment return on any other hobbies or like, uh, things like that? Yeah. Um, not a ton I'm not really into, I don't watch like any TV, no pop culture, no movies. We have a great group of guys here uh, in Denver. We meet at the gym every morning around 8.30 and we play basketball or pickleball or, or tennis or, or lift or whatever. Um, and yeah, you know, I have two young kids and there's not really much time for much else, you know, that's just, that's just it. I, I work and I, and I gamble and I play sports and, and, I, and there's no, there's really no time for, for anything else I would say. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like kids, I mean like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's not a lot of time, but, but yeah, maybe, you know, one day when, when all this DFS stuff is over, um, hopefully I'll still be in a condition to, to find some hobby or something like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm kind of, uh, discovering that as well. I can only imagine if like I had like some more, obligations in the real world like where how i could possibly divide my time because it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like there's much time really that's what it feels like yeah exactly life's short man yeah well anyway um you gotta go uh in a second uh is there anything you'd like to promote or any uh last words or any predictions of sorts uh i don't have a great predictions i would say if you want to be serious about fantasy football at all you need to be on twitter you follow me at adam levitan and just go down the rabbit hole from there i would say is the best thing to do our podcast is free you can always check that out if you want to try to 
think about football in a different way. Predictions, man. Uh, I played the uh, 25K at the World Series of Poker this past year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought I was like a pretty big dog considering I haven't played much poker in the last five years or so. But after playing, um, you know, I think I'm maybe like 0.95 or, or 0.90 or something like that. You know, some people said I was like 0.75 or 0.80, which was way too, way, way too insulting uh, in my opinion. But anyways, I'll make a prediction that uh, uh, I'll final table the 25K next year at the World Series of Poker. After, after busting on day one this year, World Series of Poker 25K next year, you'll see me at the final table. How about that? All right, final table next year, guys. Adam Levitan is going to be there. Uh, prediction, maybe even a little bit of a prophecy. Uh, <laughs> you don't play those, do you? Don't play those, do you? The World Series, uh, the the high roller World Series ones. I'll play some of them. I might. I'm thinking to play more tournaments in general. Uh, the World Series ones specifically, I'm not thrilled with just because they're a little bit too generic. To be honest, I'm just like wondering what it's going to do for my brand to like win one. Um, I mean, there's money in them. Uh, like, I, I, it feels impossible that I'm not plus EV. Uh, the field was like 300 people or more for the 25K. It was well, crazy. When you put it that way, I mean, I, I should say, I should back up a second. Let's just go right over here and, and uh, mention that usually the 25Ks are pretty soft in comparison to like the 100Ks. They're a lot yeah. softer, like really a lot. Uh, and then after that, at least my intuition is that they don't really get, they get quite a bit tougher after the 25Ks. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, I don't know for sure, but 300 people, I mean, that's not going to be like a super tough field. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and everyone who's watching, follow Avitan, Adam Levitan on Twitter uh, if you want to win at DFS Sports. Or else, so maybe more of a warning. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, great having you on, Adam. Uh, anything else you want to promote uh, your brand um, or establish to run? Let me know. And, no, uh, that's it, man. No, thanks for thanks for having me. Great to meet you. And yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. 